Hi, my name is Joel Knox. I'm the senior pastor at the Vineyard Church of Brenham in Brenham, Texas. I'm so glad you're interested in our podcasts. This media is completely free to you, so you can share it with anyone else however you'd like. Our church is located at 1401 South Bluebell Road in Brenham at the corner of Tom Green Street next to the Bluebell Creamery and across from the Bluebell Aquatic Center. You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. What if you said yes to the Holy Spirit today? You were made for a life of wild adventure. A spirit-filled, spirit-powered life. But sometimes we feel hopeless, powerless to help, in an overwhelming world with so much need all around us. We wonder if God can really use us. Aren't Christians called to live like Jesus, doing what we see the Father doing? Isn't being a Christian about doing what Jesus did? Isn't being a Christian about having the Holy Spirit in us, doing great things through us in powerful ways? If those are the questions you're asking, you're in good company. We are a movement of people saying yes to God, welcoming the Holy Spirit to use us at any moment, in any place, no matter who we are or where we've come from. And we have thousands of stories of ordinary people being used by an extraordinary God in the places we work, play, and live. Heal the sick, pray for the lonely, set captives free, have faith that moves mountains. We get to do it all, every day, if we're willing to say yes to the Holy Spirit. God can use you at home, at work, at school, in the grocery store, riding a taxi, or talking to our neighbor. Wherever we find ourselves, God is there, waiting for us to say yes, Holy Spirit, yes to whatever you want to do through me. And when we say yes, things change, and we change too. Say yes to the Holy Spirit changing you. Say yes to the Holy Spirit helping you to see others in need. Say yes to the Holy Spirit using you in your family, your neighborhood, your place of study or work, your city, and around the world. Life with the Spirit can be a wild ride. It can be a bigger adventure than we had planned for our lives, but it's worth it. You can live an exciting life led by the Spirit. You can be an empowered follower of Jesus who takes risks and has miraculous adventures with God. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Be changed. Be available. Be ready for what God will do. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a cool video? That was showed at the National Conference just a few weeks ago. And uh, I thought that would be a, a nice way to start things this morning. Before I do get started, 
Brian has asked me to remind everybody, and I, we haven't really said anything yet, but we've got a couple of cabinets that are out here on the side of the building. Those are free for anybody to take. If you need some storage space, have at them. They're, they're out there on the side of the building. Um, you don't even have to coordinate it with me. If you want it, just, just back up and take it. So uh, we needed to make the room, so they're, they're out there on the, on the, under the awning out there. So, so uh, how's everybody doing? Well, I want to ask the question that was asked in that video. <coughs> Have you ever thought about what it would be like if you said yes to the Lord? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like the Lord was telling you to do something and you said yes? I know there's been plenty of times that I felt like God was leading me to do something and I, I said no. Maybe it's because I was scared. Maybe I didn't... A lot of times it comes down to being scared, but, but I, I lacked the boldness that I needed in order to say yes and to respond. Well, if there's ever been any question, if you've ever had any question about whether there's, there's evil in the world, I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks right in front of us on, on, on our TVs an example of, of real evil. You don't need to look any farther than the, than the, the shootings that we saw in, in, in El Paso and in Dayton and then just this last week in Philadelphia. And people keep calling for tougher laws as if laws would somehow make it better. If we had the right laws, well, you know, if we had stricter laws, if somehow we had more laws, it would make people obey them. Well, at some point, I think we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room, and that, that elephant is, there's evil in the world. There's evil in the world. In the C.S. Lewis classic, The Screwtape Letters, Lewis wrote the following about the presence of evil and the devil within our world. He said, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and, un and unhealthy interest in them. Well, I think it's necessary for us as believers in Jesus to recognize where evil in this world comes from. But we don't have to live in fear of it. And in our study of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus demonstrated outright superiority to the devil in his evil work. And the Apostle John described it this way in his letter. He said, The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. What if God wants to use us to destroy the works of the devil? Are we willing to say yes to the Spirit in order to do it? Well, I'm continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark today, and the title of my message is, What's Your Story? Now, if you remember last week, Jesus had been teaching from a boat that it was just a little bit off of the shore. It was anchored just off the shore. 
And he had been teaching there for several days. And this particular day, he decided when he was finished, he told the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. So they took off. And then about halfway across, a storm came up. And it was such a terrible storm that the, that the disciples thought they were going to die. Well, one of them turned and looked, and then on the back of the boat, asleep in the stern, was Jesus, curled up on a pillow. And so they ran back and told Jesus, Don't you care that we drown? That we're, we're about to drown here. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Well, I want to look at today, and our passage today looks at what happened when they got to the other side of the lake. In verse 1 of chapter 5, So they arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. And whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. So no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And then with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And the evil spirits begged him again, and again, do not send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged, and let us enter into them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of the man and entered into the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down into the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they all were afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man went off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to pro proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Well, that's a story I don't remember hearing in Sunday school. 
Can you imagine what those, those felt figures would have looked like? You know, that you put on the felt board? All those pigs that would have... You know, that might have left a mental mark before it was over with. Well, that region that was on the other side of the lake, it's referred to interchangeably. If you see it in, in one version of the gospel, it's, it's one way. And if you see it in another one, it might be another way. It was referred to as Geresa or the region of the Gerasenes. And then it was also referred to as Gadara or the region of the Gadarenes or Gergesa, the region of the Gergesenes. Well, the reason for this, it was a largely Gentile region. And there were several different kinds of Gentile nations that lived in this area. And they were from these Greek backgrounds, and so they, they had all kinds of different religions that were not Jewish or Islamic, which was why they raised pigs as opposed to any other kind of livestock. Well, when Jesus came ashore, he encountered what some of us would call a crazy person. Mark described him as being possessed by an evil spirit. Luke 8 refers to the man as being naked. You don't get to say naked in church very often, so, you know, so say, say it a few times, naked, naked, naked. Um, Sorry, that was, that, that was my old pastor talking. But, uh, but Tim Allen several years ago said, you don't want to stand too close to a naked man. Um, the fact is, this man approached Jesus, and he was in his, in his natural state, and he was not in his right mind. And he lived among the tombs. So that, that's another clue that he was not right. He was not around people. He was away from people in, in these dead places. And he cried out at night, Mark says. He howled. And he cut himself. He was in misery. And he couldn't be restrained by anything. They tried to restrain him. They, they put chains on him. And he was, he was able to break chains. I mean, if you can imagine the, the strength of someone to do something like that. Well, because of all of these things, he had become a local legend, kind of like Chupacabra or Babiaga, the boogeyman. But I want you to understand something this morning, that the man's behavior pointed to the fact that he was under the control of an evil spirit or spirits, and he was in torment. He had done this for years. Now, I want to stop right here and just mention the fact that this excursion across the lake was Jesus' idea. Remember that? He told the disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. And I have a feeling that he knew exactly what he was going for. He knew what was going to be waiting for him when he got on the other side. He even knew about the storm that they were going to encounter on the way. And he went there. Because he knew what was coming. He anticipated a power encounter on the other side. And that's why he came. We, we, we read it just a few seconds ago. He came to destroy the, the work of the devil. He came to destroy the works of darkness. 
And in this case, he did it wherever he found it, and there it was. And that storm, it might have been the devil's attempt in, to stop him because he had control of this man. And this man, you know, he, he brought a lot of notoriety to the devil. I mean, he was a legend. And so for him to, to, to just stop behaving this way, it would be a, a great loss to the kingdom of darkness. But Jesus didn't get stopped by a storm. Jesus demonstrated in the same way that this man couldn't be restrained by human means, he couldn't be restrained by darkness. He couldn't be restrained by the devil. And he couldn't be restrained by the, by the work of Satan. Jesus commanded the evil spirits, and there were a lot of them, to leave the man. And then he allowed these spirits to go into the pigs. I mean, that demonstrated his power and his authority. That they, they had to do what he told them to do. And then under the, the influence of the evil spirits, the pigs promptly ran off of the cliff and into the water where they drowned. Now I want you to notice a couple of things here real quickly. First of all, the herdsmen saw what happened to their pigs and they ran scared into town to let everybody know about it. They ended up gathering a, quite a crowd. And to have 2,000 pigs, if you can imagine what the kind of space that that would take up. I mean, it was a spectacle to see these pigs just run off and then die. It was a great personal loss to the farmers. And quite possibly, they, they probably saw this as God's judgment against, against them for, for whatever they might have ever done. Well, the people came to see that calamity of the pigs, you know, because it caused quite a stir. They, they saw the pigs run off the cliff. I mean, how do you explain something like that? But when they came, Mark says that the guy, and they didn't even give his name, but the former demoniac is clothed and he's seated there and he's in his right mind. That was the real miracle. The boogeyman was now clothed and in his right mind. Changed by the power of God. And if you think about it, in, in everyone's estimation, this man was probably beyond hope, anyone's hope of ever being saved. Think about what his, his parents thought about this young man. He was beyond their reach. There was no hope for him. People in town, they're, they're, there's no way. You, you don't, don't go out into the, into the graveyard because you, you might encounter, encounter chupacabra. You know? He, he, was, he was beyond hope. He was beyond help. And Jesus delivered him from Satan's grip. It's like what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 9 he said, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. And Jesus is still searching for lost people. 
Some of them are right under our noses. And we don't even think about it. And some of them we know and we, we kind of wonder maybe like some of the people of this man's day, is there any hope for that person to, to come to know Jesus? Well, my prayer this morning is that, that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that would respond and that God would use us to be a light. To extend the hope and share the gospel. Well, there's one last thing that I want you to see. Once the man had been delivered from evil spirits, Jesus and the disciples got ready to go back home. He was the reason why they went across the lake. And so they're getting ready to go home. And this poor guy, and I already said it, We don't know his name, but he wanted to be a disciple of Jesus. And he begged Jesus, let me be one of your disciples. And Jesus told him no. Instead, go and share what God has done with you, with your family, and with everyone that you come in contact with. Oddly enough, the the Bible doesn't give us any information about this man. This is the only account of him that we have in Scripture. Now, church history tells us, and it's really tradition, we, we don't really have any account of this man beyond these passages, but the tradition is, is that he went, and Mark says that he went and shared in the area of the ten towns, the Decapolis, which was a Roman settlement of of ten towns. And he shared with them and they were amazed at what he had done. And church tradition says that this man was the first Gentile who shared the gospel message outside of Jesus and the disciples. Isn't that amazing? And we don't even know his name. Well, I titled this this morning, What's Your Story? And I actually borrowed that. I had a friend from years ago. He, that we, every time I saw him, we hadn't been together for a while. What's your story? How's it going? What's your story? What's going on with you? How, how's your story? And it's really what he was talking about was testimony. Did you know that your testimony is the most powerful thing that you have in your toolbox as a believer. Did you know that? I mean, any time that you try to try to share the gospel with somebody, any time that you try to just encourage someone, they might be able to refute what scripture you you hand to them. They might have a have issue with the church. They might have all kinds of of problems with anything that you try to share with them from God's Word. But one thing that, that can't be taken away from you is what God has done in your life. You know, if you've experienced healing, if you've experienced transformation... You know, they, they, people can deny Scripture, but they can't deny what has happened in your life. 
because you know what happened. You know, I, I know for a fact, I've told you the story, whenever I was, I was standing there in front of that cross, and I'm like, oh God, I give you my bitterness. And it was like his hand reached into my chest and pulled out this, this thing and held it up in front of me, and it was gone. Now, they might call me crazy. They may say I'm out of my mind. They may say that I made all that stuff up. But I know that my life is different than it was before that encounter. I'm not the same man that I was before. Jesus changed my life. And that's the power of our testimony. That's the power of our story. We share what God has done for us. And people can look at our lives and see that something is different. That something has changed. And God can flow through us and, and use us through the opportunities that come from sharing our story. In Revelation chapter 12... Many of you, you probably know this, this verse. It says, They defeated them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. How might God want to use our story to share the gospel with others? Well, Joel, my story's not very exciting. You know, I, I, I got saved when I was five. And, you know, and I've just kind of been holding on ever since. Well, maybe it's time that you exercise a little faith the way that John Wimber spelled it, which is R-I-S-K. And see what happens then. Because the one who calms storms and sets captives free lives in us. The Spirit lives in us. And I heard somebody say this last week. The Holy Spirit lives in us and He's wanting to get out. He's wanting to get out and He's wanting to do the stuff that He's supposed to be doing in our lives. And if we don't let Him, then He's trying to get out and, and, and do it anyway. He wants us, He wants to write this story a new story on our hearts that says yes to the Spirit so that we can let the adventure begin. And I just want to know this morning, are, are, you, are you willing to, to take that adventure? Well, let's stand together.